Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's the biggest week of the sports calendar. We got college football in full swing, pro football in full swing, the start of basketball season, start of hockey season, baseball playoffs, and the WNBA Finals between the Liberty and the Aces. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered, and if you use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, no matter the sport. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's welcome in our friend Razor Rosenthal here to the show. You guys know him. He's been a uh, a friend of the show for many years now, and uh, follow him on Twitter for all of his wonderful expertise and insights. Uh, Razor, it is wonderful to have you here today uh, in the midst of what we both believe to be the busiest week on the sports calendar. So there's all sorts of fun stuff for us to break down. Yeah, three baseball games tonight, the NHL season for those that bet the NHL, and three football games on the college front. It's a wonderful Wednesday to be involved in the gambling space, Kyle. So let's start off with the baseball, because you are big into October baseball. I'm big in October baseball. In the past, we've scheduled these recordings so that we're watching playoff baseball live on the show, but it's been everything and more that we had anticipated. I mean, some of the series have been no contest, but they've been no contest in the opposite direction of what we thought they were going to be. You had the crazy Phillies Braves game on Tuesday on Monday. That was absolutely impeccable. What have you made of the playoff baseball so far? Well, the Phillies Braves game to me was epitomizes playoff baseball, epitomizes, you know, betting the game as well, especially when, you know, you, you have the Phillies bet that looks really promising for those that were on the Phillies side. Atlanta, and they're just not hitting the ball very well these first two games, and somehow a miracle transpires. Two two-run jacks took Atlanta. I love the price tag at minus 140. Took them on the pre-flop. Atlanta was down, I believe, 4-3. Just felt that or uh, October magic, Kyle. They were plus 220 on the money line at that time. Hit the button, went on the Braves. So, by far, as expected, should be the best series. I have a feeling they split two up in Philadelphia and we get a game five, which I really hope we should because I don't see game fives in the works when it comes to Houston, Minnesota. Houston's actually a really good road team. So I feel like they're better off being on the road. They're very patient uh, batters, which is a good matchup for them. As far as Arizona, LA goes, Listen, I haven't played this this series at all. You know, when your best player, Mookie Betts, you know, couldn't hit a single off a tee, you got problems. So never really liked the Diamondbacks in this spot. Certainly didn't like the price tags on the Dodgers. It's a no play for me tonight. Today's play, probably the Astros. I'm going to also sprinkle in probably Atlanta plus 1.5 on the run line. But this should be a really exciting game, I think, in Minneapolis and Philadelphia tonight. The Dodgers series is the one where I have looked up and been like, this is why it's impossible to predict playoff baseball. Because I th- I could not have been more wrong about that one. I thought it was going to be 
Dodgers sweep. They're outscoring the D-backs 18 to 3. Their top offense is going to just dominate and nothing like that for the Dodgers. And in fact, they've been down 9 nothing in the second inning and they've been down 6 nothing early in that game. Two, it's been remarkable what the Diamondbacks have done offensively against the Dodgers. And everyone from top to bottom is just crushing the Dodgers who have basically no starting pitching staff. No, and you can't really trust Lance Lynn in the spot, can you? I mean, he's been pretty bad this whole year, but that 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 Arizona young lineup, Christian Walker, I mean, yeah, Marte, I mean, it just doesn't end. Even even you can sprinkle in Gurriel Jr., who's starting to play well, heating up. And, you know, it, it's just one of these lineups where you're young, you feel it, you have nothing to lose. Uh, Corbin Carroll, I mean, these guys are just – they're playing lights out. What they did to the Brewers down in both games is quite remarkable. Arizona Diamondbacks cost me a little bit of a mini fortune, Kyle. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of money invested on the Milwaukee Brewers, which uh, certainly did not help my checking account. But we have to move on from that one. But really impressed with the D-backs are doing. I- I'm just staying away. They scare me. Obviously, the Dodgers are capable of winning three games in a row. But I'm just not going to give any more money away to the uh, the good fortunes of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll watch it, but I'm going to stay away. This is a really interesting matchup tonight. Two pitchers that you really cannot trust. If you're really going to put something together, it would probably be maybe over the total. But other than that, I'm staying away. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the Diamondbacks being a young team with nothing to lose, built on the strength of their bats. And going into the playoffs, that team was the Baltimore Orioles. And I joked that I was going to discover the Orioles in the playoffs because I had only watched maybe two or three of their regular season games. And then I look up and not only are they out of the playoffs already, but they losing games nine to two, six to one. Like they just put up no fight against Texas. And I was, I, it's a predictable result just because Texas has all these people who have playoff experience, even if it's not with the Rangers themselves, Corey Seager's a world series MVP, Marcus Semyon, all of those guys compared to Baltimore, but Baltimore just got smoked out of the playoffs and I wasn't prepared for it to look quite like that. Yeah, I had a serious bet on Texas. I like that at plus. I think it was I got it at plus a dollar forty. I just felt like, as you alluded to, the experience of the Texas Rangers. Obviously, not the whole team. The team hasn't done really anything since two thousand eleven. But they just have too many guys that have been here before. Baltimore's young. They should be back. I mean, what we saw in the regular season, what a hundred wins. Boy, they can hit, man. They they score a lot of runs, and they just could not catch up. It's tough when you go down early, right? I mean, a lot of pressure on on these on these youngers uh, when they're down three zero. I think that's the difference between the D backs and the Orioles is that you can play loose ball when your top of the lineup is scoring two or three in the first inning, as as Arizona did to L A. And it's just tough to play catch up. And the Baltimore Orioles cannot play catch up against any good viable teams. We saw that. Uh, I, I think Baltimore is a great story. Um, I think that they're vastly better than Arizona. Top of the lineup, just let them down. And that's something you cannot do against a good Texas Ranger team. So what do you think of Texas at this point? I mean, they're five and O's this far. You, you had the series win prediction on Texas, which I think was a foreseeable event, even if it wasn't expected to be like the only sweep in the series. They've won five playoff games, all 
pretty dominant, if I remember correctly. I I don't think Tampa Bay was ever really in any of those two games. So what do you think about Texas going into a series with, as we're predicting? And by the time people are listening to this might be the case against the Houston Astros. Well, I think if you look if you look at the pitching matchup, it, it, the way these guys are pitching in the playoffs, I give it to Texas, right? I mean, it's just not even close. Uh, top of the lineup, boy, it's pretty close. I mean, I don't know how you can get much better than Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, but Texas is proving a lot of people wrong that they may have the better top of the lineup. Bot- bottom of the order, I got to go with Texas. I just don't like what I see with Pena this year, Maldonado usually can't hit a ball off a tee. He's just a great catcher, great defensive player, but he's not going to give you any production out there. Taz McCormick's going to play here and there. It's just not a great six to nine for Houston. The top five are always going to get you in, you know, get you your RBIs, get you in the game. Texas is hitting better. I, I, I think the series price tag will probably end up being Houston $1.30, $1.35, the buyback on Texas plus $120, $125 would be my guess. I don't like that value for uh, Texas. You're not giving me enough plus money there. Give me Houston with experience to somehow pull this out, especially with a price tag if it's under minus 150. It's so remarkable that Houston is about to make a seventh consecutive league championship series. And you mentioned some of those names that have struggled this year, like Pena, like McCormick. Jose Abreu hasn't done all that much since he came over from the White Sox, but... I mean, it's still the bones of a team that won a championship just a year ago. And for Texas to come in here and be a team that is essentially as good as them, I think is really remarkable. And Texas has been, I mean, it's hard to say more dominant or less dominant. I mean, the Astros did win game three, nine to one in Minnesota, but it does seem like Texas has been the better team so far, but I'm still super excited to watch that series. If it's going to be seven games of Texas and Houston, that those two teams feel super evenly matched because the good thing Texas has going for them is if you blow all these teams out in every game, you don't have to rely on your terrible bullpen to potentially close out a game against Jordan Alvarez, who might be like the most clutch baseball player in 20 years. Yeah, that's where it gets scary, right? If these games are 3-2, 4-3 in the 7th or 8th, do you trust the Texas bullpen? That's why I have to kind of take a serious price look at Houston. That overall body of work, potentially a 6- or 7-game series, you just have to go with a guy like Jordan Alvarez, Bregman, Altuve. They've been there. Uh, Kyle Tucker has been clutch in the in the postseason as well. I, I think Texas is a is really fascinating and dangerous story. But, man, I, I just think it's Houston, and I think it's Philly. I, I do, Kyle. I, I, I just have a weird feeling that Philly-Atlanta is going to be great. I just, I just trust Philly a little bit more in this spot. They've proved it to me over the last few years, or not the last few years, last year, and it seems like this year. They should be up 2-0. They should be playing tonight – for a chance to play in the NLCS. And that that's going to be interesting to see what they do. Again, this should be a close game. I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I do like the Braves on the run line, plus one and a half. Sprinkle in maybe a small play on Philly to get the middle, but I still think Philly emerges in this best of five. And they have Nola for sure pitching in game three. I don't know who the game four starter would be, but... Philadelphia's pitching staff has been 
remarkable so far. It's uh, lights out. Marley yeah. Series, but now. Yeah, Zach Wheeler's performance on Monday night was just unbelievable. I mean, it's for them, it's, you know, I think this team has a lot of experience and they're not a team that will completely fold. Like, I feel like if Arizona was up 4 1 in the bottom of the seventh and lost to the Dodgers, then you feel like it's over, right? LA is going to come to to Arizona. Maybe it's a split or it's a two zero win for the Dodgers down there, and the series is over. But not with this Phillies team. I think they're going to re- they're going to be fine. They're going to rebound, and I think they're going to let this one go. It's probably the best ending that I can recall in postseason history. Not only the two run jack by Austin Riley, but the double play ball, just incredible play by Harris, and then the relay was just absolutely professional baseball at its finest. So uh, I think Philly, re- I think they rebound from this. I think they have enough experience and enough mental toughness to say, you know what? Hey, we, we got our split. We have home field advantage. Let's try to take care of business up there in Philly and have a feeling this goes to five and Philly somehow wins in Atlanta. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, the Austin Riley home run reminded me like, tit for tat of the Jordan Alvarez walk-off last year like two outs I know is the eighth inning but you're down a run they've just made a pitching change and Alvarez goes yard against the Mariners Riley goes yard on a 3-2 pitch Uh, it was just chaos when that broke out and then the last play of the game Brian Anderson was losing his mind on the call so (laughs) you knew that there was a chance Harper was going to get thrown out because he couldn't believe that Harper might be tagged off of first. That was just incredible. And the thing that stinks for Philadelphia is that, yes, they I I agree with you that I don't think they're going to fold up and go home. They made the World Series last year. They beat the Braves in the playoffs last year in a similar situation. But this Braves team is just so good. And that's the thing that I feel like is tough for Philly is that even if you aren't going to fold up and even if you're going to play your best, your best is not supposed to be better than what this Braves team has done. But now it's a three game baseball series, three game series in baseball are completely random. And sometimes the randomness swings your way and sometimes it goes in the other direction. I think the Braves are in a great position at this point, even knowing they're going into Philadelphia. I think the Braves are in an awesome position. Yeah, I don't think you can really feel great if you're holding a Phillies ticket or you're holding a Braves ticket. I just feel like, you know, we got through the first two games. Atlanta would have been in the grave if they lost that game. So they're showing a lot of signs of life after that remarkable walk-off. But don't you feel that the bats are just they're just better right now up in Philadelphia? I mean, you know, we haven't seen what we want out of the top of the lineup from Atlanta outside of Austin Riley and, you know, Acuna Jr. who got on. But, I mean, I just feel like they have struggled mightily the first two games until the end of game two. I mean, I just trust Philly's bats. I really think that wild card best of three keeps you sharp too, Kyle. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good advantage. As long as nobody gets hurt, you can get two games like Philadelphia did against Miami. That just keeps your rhythm going keeps you in tune of what's going on you know i just i just think that that these guys have a little bit of an advantage and we've seen that already with uh texas yeah and i think there's some logic to it this is the second year of the new format and we've seen that uh one seed dodgers had lost last year to san diego 
two seed Braves lost last year to the Phillies. You had the this year, obviously, the one seed Orioles are losing. The two seed Dodgers are about to go down against the Diamondbacks. Like, I, I think there's some truth to the week off shaking people up. But at the same time, Atlanta looked great in the last four innings. And I don't know exactly what to make of that. They were getting no hit in the first five innings. They had no runs in the first game against the Phillies. So, like, I, I don't really know what to make of Atlanta's offense. I just... I think there's some truth to uh, what you were saying because last year, obviously, this is the second year of the new playoff format. You had the one seed Dodgers lose to San Diego. You had the two seed Braves lose to the Phillies. Uh, this year, you had the one seed Orioles lose. You have the two seed Dodgers about to get eliminated from the playoffs at this point. So I think there's some truth to the new format and keeping people off the off the field for a week when they're ending the season and I guess that would be Sunday and then not playing again until Saturday. I think there's some truth to that. And at the same time, the Braves looked really good in the second half of that game too. And I don't know how to weigh that against being no hit in the first five innings when it was Wheeler pitching, they were getting no hit in that game and scoring essentially no runs in the first game of the series. I don't know quite how to weigh that out with also, this is the highest scoring offense in baseball. They are top to bottom, a very good lineup and Acuna stole bases and he scored the game tying run in game two on the Riley home run. So it's tough to weigh that out. I'm with you. I'm very excited to watch game three, which starts at 2 PM West coast time, but I'm still very excited to watch game three of that series uh and by the time people are listening to this they'll probably know the result of game three yeah i think it's the most intriguing match but i also think you look at the stadiums and what kind of reactions you get from the fan base i think when you go to chavez ravine it's a pretty quiet crowd just enjoying their time in la and it's going to get rowdy in philadelphia and i think it's going to be loud in minnesota one thing to look at for this game this afternoon or this evening i should say kyle's heavy winds in minnesota something to take a look at feel like the whole Midwest has experienced some really crazy wins, which definitely can affect some totals in the NFL as well. So it uh, should be interesting to see, I think, the how, you know which way is the wind going in or out. Something to really look at when you're betting these over-unders in both football and baseball. So I'm going to have to really investigate this weather today. Could be an underplay if the wind is blowing out the right way in this Minnesota-Houston game. Well, keep that in mind, and hopefully by the time we're listening to this, we might have a – Diamondbacks NLCS and a Texas and Houston NL- uh, ALCS matchup. The one that I've been saying for months I have been most excited about Texas and Houston playing at some point in the playoffs. And I thought it was going to be in the division series. If it happens in the ALCS, all the better. So, episode five The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose, Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. 
Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner, while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim, who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. Uh, let's go over to college football now. College football had a, uh, a fun little weekend last week. I don't know. We didn't get to chat, so I don't know which bets you had, which hit, which didn't. Uh, obviously, the Miami Hurricanes had the chaotic, crazy moment of the weekend. Uh, what did you make of the last uh, week or so of college football? Yeah, I had a big investment on the Texas Longhorns money line. So I'm always transparent when I win or lose. I lost a lot of money on that play. I really felt, I think I was on the right side. Just really, you talk about Mario Cristobal with some bonehead coaching. Obviously, that's probably the worst thing I've ever seen in my life as far as coaching goes. But really, the Texas defense was extremely disappointing. I knew that Oklahoma was going to be able to move the ball. I felt like they'd been, they would have moved the ball between the twenties pretty easily on Texas, but I didn't anticipate prevent defense uh, at the end of the game. I didn't anticipate all these slants that were wide open. Uh, Oh, good for Oklahoma. If you back to Oklahoma plus five and a half, you, you got a great number early on that number ended up laying on, uh, on four, four and a half by kickoff. I just really felt good about my money line play there. I waited, uh, Kyle, till about 30 minutes before kickoff. I saw the the money line drop south of 200, took it at 180, felt really good about everything. And then just once that game started, I, I knew I was in trouble. You know, I, I just, I, I knew that the Texas defense was on ice skates the whole time. Oklahoma's defense is just better than Texas defense. Oklahoma's offense probably part of Texas offense and just the better defense won the game at, you know, and they held them for a field goal at the end, Oklahoma and Texas just, I have not seen such horrific scheming on defense in my life in a big game. It's been a while since I've seen such horrible defense. It took them what five plays to, to matriculate the ball 75 yards is pretty easy for Oklahoma. 
so I make what I make out of that is Texas is still a fraud. You know, I mean, it's just like how many years can we go with Texas football being, you know, highlighted as this coveted top five team and or top ten team and just never come through? It's because there's always something wrong with that defense, and I just I just cannot believe that that this is still a problem out there in Austin with all that talent, but that's the way it goes. Uh, Michigan to me has been extremely impressive. I mean, they just continue to roll, roll teams. I mean, they, they roll Nebraska. I liked Nebraska in that game two weeks ago when we talked Kyle uh, against Minnesota. I just felt like they were, that was the play of the year. I felt like, you know, you got a pretty good number with Michigan on the road. They took care of business. I think PJ Flex said that Michigan's the best team he's ever seen as a college coach. Um, Ohio State has a lot of holes. Obviously, a miracle, uh, I think, cover against Maryland. But that first half, they looked really, really weak. Georgia finally showed signs of life. I like Georgia. Alabama's back. And my prediction of LSU a few weeks back has really, really fallen south. LSU's defense is horrific. And Missouri should have won that game. Missouri had every, every chance to win that game. And they blew it. So I think it's probably now Alabama, uh, probably the, the team from the West once again. Alabama's defense has figured it out. Uh, that's what they weren't doing when they played Texas. They couldn't they couldn't figure out the scheming. They couldn't figure out, you know, a lot of different scenarios, but they have figured it out. They're playing good ball. But that would be my, you know, synopsis of, uh, of of last week. But I'll tell you the team. Let's go to your conference, the Mountain West. I, I'm really impressed with Wyoming. That was an incredible outright win as a, as a five-point underdog against the best team in the conference who I thought were – uh, Fresno State. Certainly not the case. Wyoming is the best team in the conference right now. Uh, I've had some good wins being Texas Tech. Um, the, the big win over App State and that crazy special teams blunder by, by, by App State about a few weeks ago. So yeah, I'm really impressed by Wyoming and that, that really stood out to me. I'm glad that you mentioned Michigan because they have legitimately the best defense in the country. And that's crazy because of how many talented players Georgia has up and down that roster. Like Michigan... I know that at this point, the the joke is that it's always Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and it's always Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or whatever it is. But I mean, Michigan has made the playoff two years in a row. This is probably the best Michigan team of the three now that they've figured it out with J.J. McCarthy and the defense is number one in the country. Like, I am really buying into Michigan, and I know they haven't played anybody so far this year on the way to 6-0. and It's... I think Minnesota might be like one of the hardest opponents they've played this year, but I I think Michigan is legit. I think Michigan, this might be the year that Michigan finally puts it all together because three through, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, three through 12 in college football right now is just a crapshoot. I mean, Ohio State, Notre Dame were decided by one play at the end of the game. Texas and Oklahoma were decided by like, two plays at the end of the game. Those teams were so evenly matched. And now I think three of those teams are top 10. I know Notre Dame kind of fell off because they lost to uh, Louisville, but Notre Dame's favored this week against USC. So it feels like three through 12 are all just so even right now. And Michigan may have separated themselves from the pack. I do agree with you on that. And uh, yeah, Minnesota, not very good. That's the other part of it. Even Notre Dame is favored this week against USC, so it feels like teams 3 through 12 are all pretty close to each other, and Michigan has separated themselves from that group. Yeah, very surprising that that Notre Dame is favored in this spot. I'm just not impressed by Notre Dame. I'm not a, I don't I'm not a Marcus Freeman guy. This guy blows 
just I, I feel like he's just over his way over his head, in my opinion, to be at a program like Notre Dame. I just don't see it. I've seen I've seen this team play very poorly against bad teams, not cover the number. I've seen him, you know, go into Louisville last Saturday night as a five and a half point favorite and get run out of the gym in the second half. Just listen, there's there's a thing called trapping the trap games in, in college football. This has to be one. I don't know how USC's not favored by six and a half. I mean they are their defense is not great, Kyle, but I just feel like USC should score at will against Notre Dame. So and that could be a stay away game for me. I don't understand this line. You you're thinking that Notre Dame is in the your Notre Dame is in this advantageous position because they're playing at home and because USC just had that awful game that it looks like a classic trap game situation where all this money is pouring in on Notre Dame. I do. I, I do. I think the Sharps will be on Notre Dame. I think the public will bet on USC. I just don't want to be a part of it. I, I just feel like if I had to handicap this game, it would, should be USC by 10, but we're just not going to see that. I mean, we have what Notre Dame favored by, what are they a field goal favor? Do I have that right? Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. So you're going to get the number at two and a half, three, wherever you shop. I, I got to stay away. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with this game. Um, and I, I look at games like this as, flip of a coin where it should not be when I when it's a flip of a coin but you feel like one team should be favored by six and a half or seven I stay away you could go in live but it's a great it's a great game the pageantry of USC Notre Dame is beautiful and I I'll definitely be watching it but I don't have an investment in this game so far I've got an interesting question for you and maybe it'll take a second to think about it but if you were to have a hypothetical game between 2022 USC against 2023 USC at the Coliseum, say, so neutral field, what do you think the point spread would be going into that theoretical game? Two bad defenses. Let's start with that. Um, what USC did against Tulane was a dis- was a disgrace. That Tulane game in the Cotton Bowl was a disgrace. Uh, this the, the performance against Arizona was a disgrace five, five, four or five days ago. Um that's a great question. That, that, that's something you really have to think about. You to remember all the weapons that were on offense versus now. I, I would say that you probably are going to make this USC team in 23 a slight favorite simply because yet another year for Williams to be under this system, used to the players at USC. So maybe there's better chemistry than 22. I'll just say twenty-three a dollar. Excuse me, a dollar fifty on the money line, maybe a field goal favorite. Okay, because I thought coming into this season on paper, this year's USC team was not as good as last year's USC team, and obviously last year's USC team was one loss against Utah away from sneaking backdoor into the playoffs. Kind of like those classic Lincoln Riley Oklahoma teams that get the fourth seed and win a crappy conference, but. I don't know what to do with this year's USC team because there is a path for them to be a one loss conference champion and get into the playoff. But I I just don't think this team is good enough. Like if, if I'm going through the teams in the Pac-12, I mean, the game this weekend, Oregon and Washington feels like essentially a round of 16 game to get into the playoff where the winner might have a clear cut path to get in as long as they can win and I'm big on Washington. I think Washington's going to run shop this weekend on Oregon, but I I just 
don't know what to do with USC in the midst of all this Pac-12 gluttony of teams that are trying to compete for that one playoff spot. Yeah, I don't know either, Kyle. I mean, I feel like, you know, before what before the Arizona game, I felt pretty comfortable about USC uh in the in the leading spot of the of the Pac-12, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to stop teams like Washington or Oregon at all. And I think you make up a great point. This is it. I mean, this winner of this game on Saturday, 1230 Pacific uh, kickoff in Seattle, I think has a clear path to being in the playoffs if they can hold serve and win the rest of their games. And you like Washington in this spot. I can't argue that. I mean, they're home, right? And they're laying maybe a field goal, field goal and a half. I got to take the home team, two very evenly matched teams, forty-five, fifty, maybe on the money line. Give me Washington. Not big, but I got to play it. Added factor to it, it's going to be raining on Saturday in Washington at 1230 for that game. And I think that Washington is good. I think one Washington is the better team. And I think Washington has the best chance of any to make the playoff of this group and of this group of Pac-12 teams. And two, it's Washington on their home field in the rain. I know it's rainy in Oregon as well, but I think Washington is set up great to not just win, but cover. I think it's three and a half right now. I think they'll cover that line pretty handily. Raining in Seattle, sky is blue. It's just what it, what happens out there, right? So I think both teams will be well-prepared, but the Huskies probably more so. They're probably practicing nearly every day. It's in Seattle and rain. So, yeah, whoever has a better running game uh, probably will win this game. Uh, I probably would lean overall running game, maybe Oregon. But I, when it comes down to it, I think you just got to take the home team here. And Penix has been fantastic this year, which isn't to say Bo Nix hasn't been fantastic, but Washington has been virtually untested thus far. And I think they've got the best chance of any to, if one of these PAC 12 teams is going to emerge from the chaos of, they all beat each other up and ruin each other's playoff chances. I do think Washington is the, is the team that they should put their, eggs in that basket and hope that Washington's the team that gets to the playoff. So yeah, I'm super excited for Oregon and Washington this weekend. There's also PAC 12 UCLA, Oregon state, which is kind of like the diet version of Oregon and Washington where neither of these teams are really playoff bound, but they're both going to be interesting to watch. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun ranked matchups going on this weekend. Uh, I know, NC State isn't ranked, but they're only a three-point road dog against Duke, which I think gives them just as good a chance as any to pull off the win this weekend. There's going to be a lot of fun games coming up. Yeah, what people may not know is if you go down uh, Highway 15501, Kyle, uh, that separates uh, UNC and Duke by nine miles, and both teams playing at the same time. Miami coming here to Chapel Hill and NC State traveling uh, 20 miles to the west in Durham. So really exciting night of football here in the Raleigh Durham area. Yeah. I forgot about that Miami UNC game at first. Cause obviously it was originally a battle of undefeated teams and they were both going to be in the top 15 and it was going to be the ABC primetime game. And now obviously Miami's coming off the stench of 
that Georgia Tech game where they fumble on a kneel, a, a theoretical kneel down is a fumble that's not a fumble, and they give it back to Georgia Tech. But I still think Miami might end up beating North Carolina this weekend. Miami's got just as much talent as well, any North Carolina team. Depends, yeah, and it's they do. It depends on how the team reacts to what happened. If this is a hungry team saying, you know what? Okay, let's move on. We got five, six games left. We can win every game and crown ourselves ACC champions. We can beat our rival FSU in November. This season could be salvaged. They're young kids, Kyle. Are they going to throw it in after that? Because their coach, their leader, they, he, he let them down. Bottom line, what a foolish mistake. Paid millions of dollars to do that. And it just cannot happen. It's egregious. And I, I don't know the mindset in Coral Gables right now. Is this team eager to get back on the field? Or they're a group of kids that are like, I can't play for this guy. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't battle for this guy. I don't know. We're going to find out in Chapel Hill on Saturday night. It's going to be a great game. There are there any other college football games, bets that you're looking at this weekend? I know it's still early in the week, but we've gone through all the ranked matchups here. Is there anything else that's caught your eye this week? Yeah, it's really early for me, Kyle. I'm a Friday night, Saturday morning type of better. I want to try to see where public money is going to. Um, I do think Wazoo, after that really bad performance against UCLA, will probably bounce back against Arizona, like them in a money line parlay. You could probably marry them with a team like LSU against an anemic Auburn offense. Those two teams square off. I kind of like Louisville on the road on the money line against Pittsburgh. Louisville's, I'll tell you, Kyle, I mean, Florida State's really good, but I don't think they have the firepower on offense like Louisville does. Louisville's going to run through the ACC, I think, pretty easily. They don't play Clemson. They don't play Florida State. They do play at Miami in November near Thanksgiving. I think right now you have to feel good about Louisville, North Carolina, and FSU uh, being the, the the class of the ACC, I like Louisville in that spot. I like Wisconsin in a money line parlay to beat Iowa. Iowa's offense is just beyond awful, and I think we're starting to finally see a little bit of signs of life on offense with Wisconsin. They, you know, Mordecai is much better than what they've had. I think over the last four years, I think whiskey and Iowa has always been a nasty, tough game to bet. Just give me, give me Wisconsin on the money line with a few of the teams I just mentioned earlier on. Quick question for you: Is Maryland the third, uh, the fourth best team in the Big Ten at this point, behind the the obvious big three of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State? Yeah, I I, I think that you can make an argument for Wisconsin as the fourth best team. I, I give Maryland a really good grade right now. Obviously, they play in the East Division, where they're going to play Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, which makes their path a little bit tougher. Um, I I think that. Maryland has proven that they can score points and their defense is not bad. I just think that Wisconsin with Luke Fickle and that defense, I think presents uh, a little more clarity to me on both sides of the ball. Maryland and Wisconsin will not play this year, so we're not going to really best team in the country is. But look out for Whiskey. They uh, Whiskey Man is 
Um, they, they are probably the best team out of the West. The West, once again, proven to be just really awful. They're going to play Ohio State near Halloween, but that's, to me, the only roadblock for the Wisconsin Badgers. That Iowa-Wisconsin game has a 36 over-under, which is crazy. That's so low for a college football game, but I'm guessing everyone's betting under because of the Brian Ferentz needs to get 25 points a game average joke that's been going around all season. I think you might be right about Wisconsin and their offense coming to life uh, because Wisconsin is 4-1 and one this season and because their schedule is a little bit softer, they have a chance to get to 10 wins potentially. Yeah, I, I think the roadblock is Ohio State. You know, you feel like Wisconsin can certainly, you know, mess up and, and, and lose a game to a bad team like Illinois or Indiana, but or Nebraska would probably be even a better example of that. But I, I just feel good about this uh, Wisconsin team going and, and taking care of business against Iowa. Sure, low scoring could be could stay under the number with Wisconsin winning the game. Uh, 27-10. I, I foresee that. Actually, that would go over the total. Uh, 24-10. You know, and I think that's very realistic. Um, so give me Wisconsin money line. Give me LSU money line. Try to pair them up with a variety of teams that that I mentioned. I mean, I, I, I think that we're getting into the the heart of the season where when you when when teams are two and four, two and five, and they're they're not going anywhere, Kyle. I think that's when you can hammer some of these money line parlays. The teams that are still playing for something versus a two and four team that just is just, you know, going nowhere fast. Stanford Cardinal versus Colorado. I think I think Dion's in a good spot here to win that game straight up. That's another viable candidate for money line parlay. Um, you know, I, I stay away from games like Iowa State, Cincinnati. Just can't justify laying minus two hundred on Cincinnati at home versus the Cyclones. North Texas laying 250 against temple you just you shouldn't be playing those games if you, if you want to try to make money it's just it's just anything could happen in those type of games look for teams that are pretty much out of the mix playing teams that that are looking great uh miami of ohio good example playing at western michigan western michigan two and four miami ohio five and one miami ohio probably the clear cut class of the mac they, they should roll in that game and that's going to give you a chance to marry them with another team so again look, look for teams that are kind of already out of the out of the picture pick on them see if you can get some straight up wins well i guess the in-between version of that is do you believe west virginia is a good team because houston is not good but they are at home against west virginia i do i think west virginia is really good that that win down in uh in fort worth against tcu i watched a lot of that game kyle i took tcu money line but i did play west virginia against the spread i like to do that at times and i don't have a ton of confidence in a team that was a good performance by west virginia the backyard brawl really you know beating up pittsburgh pretty good there um they're, they're a good team i mean just you know the penn state loss hey that score that score is not indicative of of how close West Virginia or how well West Virginia played. You know, listen, they beat Pittsburgh easily. Pittsburgh, I don't think, scored more than six or seven points. Texas Tech to hold Texas Tech to two touchdowns or 13, whatever that was. Yeah, this is a good team. They're, they're, they're somewhat back. I mean, they're somewhat relevant now in the Big 12. Yeah, they're not going to play down in Jerry's world on the first weekend of December, but – you know, finally, West Virginia is going to play a bowl game, I believe, post-Christmas. And, you know, it has been a while since you've seen West Virginia probably in a, in a, in a somewhat respectable bowl on the 29th of December. 
Well, I'm glad to know that you're buying into West Virginia because I know they were expected to be one of the bottom teams of the Big 12 this year, and they are just two wins away from a bowl game. And, you know, if they beat Houston this weekend, I think they, they're favored in three of their last six games. So that's a big plus for West Virginia. Um, let's go over to the NFL real quick. Uh, obviously, it's been an interesting couple of weeks over there. This week's going to be... This week has some interest to it. Like Colts and Jaguars is something I can get up and excited for because I think the Colts just might mess around and win that terrible, terrible AFC South. But before we get into this week, what uh, what have you made from the last uh, week or so in the NFL? Well, I think the Bills made a huge mistake with their travel schedule. I, I feel like, you know, getting there on Friday to me uh, definitely showed its cards when they we're not awake for the basically first quarter and a half of the game. So let's just say that the bills, I think made a logistics, a mistake there probably should have arrived in London on Thursday. Um, bills played horrible. Jags deserve to win that game. And I think the Jags are going to be an interesting spot, Kyle. They've been out in Europe for two weeks now, and now they got to come back to the States. Are they going to be acclimated to their normal life in Jacksonville? I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's a really interesting game. That's a no play for me, especially staying away from Jacksonville and Survivor, that's for sure. Um, what I make out of the Lions, uh, the Lions without Amras St. Brown, Gibbs out, and they looked really good. I think a lot of people took Carolina plus nine, and they got absolutely pummeled in that game. Really impressed with them. Really impressed with Indianapolis for what they have to work with. I mean, they, I mean, they have Jonathan Taylor, who played, what, 25% of the snaps compared to Zach Moss. I mean, Gardner Minshew, starting quarterback. Tennessee's defense is just, you know, just atrocious. I mean, they're – they're not impressive, and I, I think that uh, that if you hold the Jacksonville ticket and you paid a lot of money for that on a, a price standpoint to win the South, I don't know. Just look out. Look out for Indy. They're not out of this picture quite yet. Uh, Miami, they're really good. I mean, that offense was clicking against the Giants, who were terrible. Um, I think it's over for Bill Belichick as far as, you know, he just doesn't identify talent. I mean, look look at what they've done over the last four or five years, as far as the draft goes, as far as free agency goes, uh, they're, it's just not working out without Tom Brady. The, the Patriots are one of the worst teams I've, I've seen. Uh, a bad loss for me, Kyle, Baltimore Ravens. I, I just don't understand this team. I, I, I don't understand why uh, all these years, they have somewhat talented wide receivers, but they never come through. They, they just don't come through. If Lamar Jackson's not rushing for 85 yards and, and the run game is not there. They're 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 just a bad team, and I think San Francisco proved on Sunday night they are they are the best team in the NFL. And I know Philly would be like, whoa, whoa, hold on one second. Philly's really good too, but I was I could not believe the performance of the 49ers and how well they played, um, and really beat up a good Dallas defense. Who, yes, I know Diggs is out, but that overall defense is probably, I mean, they're probably top three in a lot of stats, Dallas, and they, and that just shows you when you play a Fugazi schedule, you get exposed, and you know that that was probably none better on display than when you play a week schedule that in Dallas has no control of the schedule, but uh, clearly again, yet again, the Dallas Cowboys not ready for prime time against the top two or three team in the NFC. The Baltimore one would be the craziest. And I I'm guessing you had money on Baltimore there, which if you're a Ravens fan, it's gotta be so infuriating at this point. Cause you know, your team is great. And you also know that your team isn't great enough 
Like I, I cannot fathom how Baltimore didn't score a single point in the last 35 minutes of that game. I just, I couldn't believe it because they were constantly in the red zone. They had a couple drop touchdowns. I mean, everything was suited up for them to not just win, but cover against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And somehow you walk away and they lost. And and, and I don't understand how they lost that game. I don't either, Kyle. Believe me, as a Baltimore Ravens money line ticket holder, it was a tough loss to swallow. Baltimore and Texas, two very difficult losses to swallow. But hey, that's why you know they have buildings that that have casinos and books, and that's people. You know, they we you're on the wrong side, and those guys know what they're doing. And obviously, they they can't predict that Lamar Jackson would be that bad for uh, two and a half quarters of football, but. It's in a, it's it's egregious that that throw in the end zone on uh, third and goal when you had a chance to just you know put yourself in a great spot to run the ball kill some clock and if you don't get in you you put together a field goal to make Pittsburgh go the distance it's just bad it's bad football it's a bad operation right now in Baltimore and they got to clean it up yeah that was the one that was probably the most shocking result of the week. I mean, other than Buffalo getting breaks beat off him by the Jaguars, that was also pretty shocking, but at least that one's a little more explainable because we we've seen Buffalo just dominate teams and dominate good teams this season. So I think we're probably more confident about Buffalo than Baltimore coming off of a, a loss like that. Um, going into this week, what do you make of Cincinnati? They're at home against the Seahawks. It feels like they're starting to turn a corner. Burrow's almost healthy now. Uh, I don't know what to make of Cincinnati because it feels like there's bigger problems than even Burrow. I mean, none bigger than Burrow, but problems that exist along with Burrow in the construction of that team. But I'm interested what you think about the Bengals. I think the Bengals... Uh played a great game against a really bad football team. And I think Arizona, you know, has played very well up until last Sunday, but I think we all know Arizona's a bad team. And finally, somebody took advantage of Arizona being a really bad team. We tend to forget that Arizona blew it like what a I don't remember a 20-point lead against the Giants who are really bad. So I think Arizona is really bad, and I think Cincinnati came to play. And so what I'm trying to say, Kyle, is I don't trust them quite yet. Now they get a team who doesn't have a great defense but seems to be winning ball games with the Seattle Seahawks. I, I just don't like this game. The game is played in Cincinnati. The Bengals are laying three against a pretty decent 3 and one team, not a great team. I think, I think once we see them put together two good offensive performances, which they'll have to do against Seattle, then I can start to believe that maybe the Bengals can somehow emerge and finish the season 10 and 7, 11 and 6, perhaps, and get into the playoffs. But let me sit back and watch this game first before diving into it because that Cincinnati defense gives up a lot of big plays, something they really haven't done over the last two years. And Burrow, yes, great game. Chase, yes, great game. T. Higgins, probably back against the Seahawks. I'm, it's a wait-and-see approach because what I have seen so far, Kyle, even that win against the Rams, they looked pretty bad. They, their offense was just not clicking. They, they looked really, really bad against Cleveland, pretty bad against Baltimore at times, and the Tennessee game was atrocious. So uh, wait-and-see approach, Kyle. I'm not playing the game at all. The no play for Razor. We 
are always interested in Razor Rosenthal's survivor picks for the week. So uh, did did your pick come through last week and what are you looking at coming into this one? Yeah, so I won. I, I I survived last week. I went. I, I I'm in five pools, right? And the big one I'm out in, which was disappointing. Um, I was out in that one. I can't remember which uh, which one uh, put me in my demise. But I'm still involved in four out of five survivor pools, so I can't complain too much. And Kyle, I did something that I typically don't do, but I I just felt really good about it. So last week, my survivor pick in four pools were the Miami Dolphins. So um, we can't use them this week. A little disappointing. Would have loved to use them against uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers. We, we can't do that. That's not legal in Survivor, as we know. Um, so I do, I, I do like Buffalo to bounce back if you still have the Bills. I think this is just one of these situations where the Bills are going to lay an egg every three or four games. So I don't know how much we can trust Buffalo moving forward. Uh, if you know week 10 11 and you're still in your in your survivor pools so i have buffalo involved in two right now out of four i kind of like the rams here i mentioned about you know a few minutes ago i don't like arizona i don't think they're a very good football team i think this rams team is pretty good they had their chances uh i mean uh, nakua and cooper cup my goodness what a duo they are um Give me the Rams and the Bills as my top two selections in Survivor. And don't get too excited about the Jets win over Denver. Denver's terrible. I think you should feel pretty good about Philadelphia as well. Well, you mentioned Denver, and I assume some people have already used Kansas City in their pool. But is this a week for if you still have Kansas City to lay Kansas City on a Thursday? Yeah. I, I think so. So I didn't mention them because I'm out with Kansas City. I've already used them in all four of my pools that I'm still in. And the one thing about Kansas City, Denver, we have seen this game with weird weather conditions that are projected for tomorrow night to be just an just a weird stuff happens. Maybe a Marvin Mims 80 yard touchdown uh, cuts the lead to two with four minutes. And you're just like, how did that just happen? I, I, I wouldn't say stay away from Kansas city. I kind of like Denver in this spot uh, plus 10 and a half for some reason, or the under, it's just a weird game. Kansas city is really bad against the number Kyle. Yes. They covered last week in a really, I mean, do you ever see an NFL referee pick up a pass interference flag? Well, it happened in Minneapolis last week. I could not believe what I saw. I was thrilled to death because I had a lot invested in Kansas city money line at a dollar 55. I mean, I was a little scared at the end If Minnesota scores that touchdown, you know, things are going to get murky, but Luckily, Kansas City was afforded a really bizarre call when uh, the pass interference call was 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 uh, changed. So uh, this is a weird game. I mean, Denver's terrible. I mean, Denver the 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 body language of Russell Wilson at the end of the game with Sean Payton leads me to believe that they have some major internal problems. I I would say sure take KC if you still have them. Um, but weird stuff happens when Denver plays Kansas City. Let's just say that. Sounds like you're big on Rams and Buffalo, and if you've used both of those teams, maybe Kansas City is is the move for this week. I I like the I like the idea with the Rams. I mean, just betting against the Cardinals feels like sound advice, especially now the Cardinals are even more banged up than the the roster that had been expected coming into the season. Uh, 
Last thing, speaking of banged up, uh, what do you make of those Vikings? Obviously, Jefferson's going to be gone now. We learned that news just within the last like 12 hours of recording this. Uh, they're one and four. They're not playing for anything meaningful anymore. What do you think about what is happening with the Vikings? Well, not only Jefferson, but it seems like every week the Kirk Cousins trade uh, narrative transpires. So that building just has to have – it's just toxic in there. And I don't like them at Chicago. Justin Fields has kind of figured it out. You know, they should have beat Denver – and they obviously took Washington to the woodshed with, uh, you know, Fields and Moore combination looking pretty good. That's just it's just a bad spot for Minnesota. That defense under Brian Flores has been fairly disappointing. Blitzing seems like every other play it's just not working. Um, I uh, I would say Chicago is probably the right side here. As crazy as that sounds, so no play for me. But yeah, it's a shame if you're if you're a Minnesota fan coming off a good season in NFC North. Uh, Title number three seed, obviously a really disappointing loss to the Giants in the playoffs. Uh, this team just is just full of disappointment, and I think that the Jefferson injury just adds more fuel to their fire, and it's unfortunate. And I, I just that's a team that I don't like, and probably won't put too much investment in when it comes to betting. I can tell you that. Razor Rosenthal, big believer in the Chicago Bears. That's my takeaway from today. <laughs> big believer in everything Chicago Bears. So that was quite tepid endorsement of the Bears, but it is two and a half points. So I think I can see where you're going with uh with the Chicago pick this week, potentially. <laughs> well, I, I'm not you, you're using words out of my mouth that I didn't use big. I'm not a big believer <laughs> in the Chicago Bears, but I am not a believer in the Minnesota Vikings. Let's just say that. Yes. Yeah, so the sarcasm there was trying to trying to point out that, yes, the, the Chicago Bears are uh, Chicago Bears are an awful team that is playing another awful team in the Minnesota Vikings, who just lost the only superstar player that will be playing in either matchup. I, I would believe that on either team, Justin Jefferson was the best player that was going to be taking the field. And now he is out uh, that is razor rosenthal you can check him out on his twitter page he's got all sorts of expertise on baseball and football and soon to be college basketball and tennis whenever there's a, another big tennis event coming around razor is very good at all of that stuff and uh we appreciate your time as always thank you for stopping in once again with us <laughs> always a pleasure kyle i uh, look forward to chatting with you in a few weeks Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.